Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Unconscious bias, we all have it, so how do we eliminate it? I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top performing entrepreneurs and industry experts. Every week we uncover tested tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today our guest is Chris Steely, Managing Director of GPS Business Group. Chris is a transformational business leader, an author, trainer, and a business coach who's trained thousands of business leaders worldwide on how to refine and apply optimal capabilities to their business. He focuses on delivering business effective effectiveness services to clients across across the globe. He co- he's co-authored two books and has been featured as a business expert in countless international stages. Chris, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. It's good to be here, Rick. Absolutely. So we're going to cover a few things today. We're going to talk about what unconscious bias is. I know I met you at a uh, Disrupt HR event, right, where you did a great presentation on that. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about how to acknowledge it and how to eliminate it from the hiring process, or at least minimize it, I would imagine, because you can't really eliminate it, can you? Not, probably not. I mean, it's something that we're, we're all inherent, we all inherently have to yeah. some extent. So. so as I was prepping for this, I went to my favorite place, Google, and I Googled unconscious bias. I got the definition, okay. <laughs> which are basically learned stereotypes that are automatic, unintentional, and deeply ingrained. Yeah. So, so just to expound upon that, it's really what it comes down to. It's it's your background, yeah. your your personal experiences, your your societal stereotypes, and your cultural construct that impacts your decisions and and in your actions without you realizing it. So, in essence, unconscious bias is your blind spots. Yeah. So, gosh, we all have them, right? So, how do we recognize them? How do we find them if we if we're not conscious about it. Right. And, and I guess that's the key is that objectivity is having awareness on yourself. Yeah. Being able to see yourself like other people see you. You know, and how do you do that? Well, it's confrontation. It's uh, psychological objectivity. You know, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, psychotherapy. And there's, there's professionals out there that are oriented toward helping you kind of deconstruct and unpack who you are. And a lot of it stems from, you know, things that we don't know that we don't know about ourselves back to blind spots. And it comes from our childhood. You know, we had two parents typically that did the best they could. And uh, the result is uh, the hardwiring that that we got from zero to two years old. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember that period of time in my life, but, but the imperative is for us to, is that when it's zero to two, zero to two. That's That's when when it's most of them are is children. I mean, because you can't, speak so basically yeah. you're a sponge so you take things in yeah. and then from there from two to five is kind of the young adult phase and that's where you begin to kind of manifest your character and then from five on you know it's pretty well hardwired so unconscious bias is typically created at those those young age that young age so it's our responsibility as humans is to understand what was the paradigm back then you know what were we, what were we going through you know i mean so you basically kind of need therapy or some sort of regression in order to figure it out because you don't really remember what was going on from zero to two years old? Right, and and I part of the, uh, the way to do that is to is to kind of pull your parents, ask your parents, yeah. or if they if they've passed away, like my have, my parents have, is to understand what their paradigm was, what the society, the what they were raised in, the yeah. culture that they were raised in, functional, dysfunctional, or whatever, and it's not necessarily easy, but that's how to do it. That's how to unpack and become aware of those blind spots. Yeah, 
and our parents, I mean, different than the millennial generation today, but our parents, I'm guessing, were, my, my grandparents and my parents would say things that, like, just would not fly today. And it was all acceptable back then. Well, if you think about it, back in that, back in the, the Depression era, you know, 1929, and anybody raised in that chunk of period of time, it was all about scarcity. Yeah. And it's just how it was, yeah. you know. And so, how does how does that show up in your life? I mean, my 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 parents were raised in that in that era in that culture. Yeah. And that's just they were predisposed towards seeing things scarcely, but that's not how business is done these days. Oh no, you not know? at all. It's, you know, like money. Money is not a scarce resource. Money is an abundant resource. But too many people have got these preconceptions, these these biases unconsciously that money is a scarce resource. Well, once you come to terms with the fact that it's not. Yeah, my definition of money, it's an idea backed by confidence, is having the confidence around that. Yeah. And then being able to, uh, uh, you know, create value to manifest it effectively. But the key is you have to be a full circle back to unconscious bias. You have to be aware of what thought processes are precluding that in your psychology. Okay, so what are the main biases we should be, we, we should be aware of? Well, when it comes to being a human resource and a person of value, you know, we, we were talking about putting the right people in the right seats in the bus, you know, yeah. in, the, in the context of hiring. So I see it from two perspectives. One perspective is the person who's doing the hiring. Sure. And the other perspective is the person that's being hired. Sure. So which one do you want to unpack? Well, okay. So let's, let's talk about, uh, you know, the person who's doing the hiring first, because I think that's, uh, that's where most of our audience is. But so... You have gender, you have race, and you have age, which are probably the main three. Is there anything else that goes along with that? Uh, sorry, actually, those are the those are the big three. Those are pretty much it, right? yeah. Especially when it comes to hiring, yeah. you know, because if you think about it, you know, is if you're completely aware right now and you're thinking about what your preconceptions are, what your biases are around gender, yeah, you know, men, women. Okay, well, we, I'm not here to define it for you or for any of the listeners here today. Yeah, but it's really important for us to kind of at least be aware of it. And then race. Oh, man, well, I think about race. And we've all got predispositions which of I, other races. Which I always find really funny because we're all part of the same race. Hmm. But we're just dif- different ethnicities, yeah. right? So, I mean... Yeah, cultural, I guess. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so... There's really only one race. Well, but we judge other cultures, you know, colors of skin, you know, ethnicities, you know. And then, of course, age. We talked the other day about how apparently I heard recently that once you hit 35, you're kind of, you've tipped into the kind of an old timer type person. Oh, God, yeah. You know, and from my perspective, people that are 35 and beyond, those are the ones with the chops. Those are the ones with the wisdom. But typically, the people in the hiring ranks see them as older, and there's a lack of connection, and there's this gender gap or this uh, this chronological gap, the yeah. age gap. Yeah. We had. So. Do you know Todd Raphael? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we talked about him. Yeah, we had him on last week, and it was kind of interesting because uh, he was talking about there's there's kind of a phenomenon with single dads that are over 40 that are having a difficult time finding work because of the fact that they're kind of aged out, and they need the flexibility to be able to. To uh, to pick up their kids and do the things they need to do, but there there's a huge pool of those people out there that are a wealth of information that nobody's really tapping into. Right. This bias thing sucks. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do we recognize it and identify it? Right. So I mean, we talked a little bit about that. We're talking about really self awareness. Regression and and I know the EQ. Well, that's what I was going to get to. Is yeah. we have this intelligence, right? The IQ, you know, and they, everybody talk about the IQ. What's your IQ and everything? 
the prerogative is that emotional quotient, you yeah. know, the, the emotional intelligence. And there have yeah. been books written about it. My favorite author in the context is Goleman, Daniel Goleman. Okay. Wrote a book uh, work with emotion. It's called Emotional Intelligence and then Working with Emotional Intelligence and how you apply it to work. And so we, it, it's about, it's again, perceiving your emotions. And we all have emotions. Yeah. You know, we're happy, we're sad, we're angry. It's just that gauntlet of emotions. Yeah. So addressing that human condition and that paradigm around how are we perceiving emotions? When people get emotional with us, how do we respond? Yeah. And having that awareness and that objectivity. And then using those emotions to be able to convey our message effectively. Like right now I'm talking to you in just kind of a calm tone. Yeah. But I can actually kind of raise my emotion a little bit. And you can actually feel the energy change as I get a little more passionate. Awareness. Think wow, of, you look, should host a radio show. Right, I should. <laughs> but just notice the energy shift. It yeah, was palpable. Totally. Yeah. You know? And that we have to be aware of that, about how we wield those emotions and understanding how the how they they correspond to how people respond to us as leaders in the hiring process specifically. Is there a value to having bias in the workplace? I think that um, there's like I'm a big fan of boundaries, psychological boundaries. Okay, what and does that mean? So boundaries is, uh, we were talking before about you know, politics, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we, we, politics is basically people manipulating others to do what they want them to do, not necessarily congruent with what they personally believe. Yeah. So you're talking about facades and people throwing up smoke screens. So in the context, to, to be able to use a bias, say that I've got a bias uh, that um, people that show up that way um, are not in it for my best interest. That's a boundary. That's a good, healthy psychological boundary. Okay. And the key is to be conscious of it. That that's the gap. Is that unconscious bias is a blind spot. Our prerogative is to be to illuminate those blind spots so they become conscious. So we can consciously wield that bias. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all. I mean, there's bias. I you know in my life there's been lots of situations where people have taken advantage of me. I've kind of got a good nature. There's the whole con thing. Yeah. And we all all got stories about being oh, taken totally. advantage of. It's our responsibility as business leaders to have those healthy boundaries and being aware of being able to see those people that are coming at us. How do they act? What do they say? You know, and make it conscious. You know, so yeah. it, it through a conscious. Conscious wielding of that 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 psychological capability that we have. Once you understand it, then you become more effective as a human being, as a leader, as a hiring manager. You know, you know, making sure that you're sifting through people's psychology to make to determine whether or not they are the right person for that seat in the bus. You know. So it's it's really about eliminating eliminating the the preconceived notion of who that might person be that person might be, um, and and creating. An environment where it's really more about your cultural value of your company as opposed to what your preconceived notion of that person might be. And I think a big aspect of it, you're bringing this to mind, is around authenticity. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people will look at a resume or whatever, a LinkedIn profile. And keep in mind, that's like an ad. People are, 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 are writing and, 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 and conveying what they want you to see. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of taking the spotlight off what they don't want you to see. So if, if you can put up filters of kind of seeing through people's facades, like, for instance, I'm talking to you right now, Rick, with, a, with kind of a calm, authentic tone. But if all of a sudden I change my tone, and Rick, I want you to believe that this is really what it's about. And I'm this guy, and I've really done this. Notice the change in my tonality. You're like turning into sales guy. And you can see right yeah. through that. Yeah. And, and these days when it comes to selling, I, 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 do, I do sales training, and it's about 
these days we have unconscious and conscious bias around people trying to sell us things. I mean, we all want to buy, oh, yeah. but nobody wants to be sold. Yep. And you can see right through that slimy, schmarmy sales guy. And we can all be that way if we aren't conscious of it. Sure. So it's that consciousness around how you're selling. Because sales is persuasion, it's leadership, it's influence, you know? Yeah. So how can you persuade, lead, and influence somebody to hire you or to, to convince you that they're the right person for the job? And it's not about having the, the resume or the facade of what people want you to believe. It's about having a good, authentic conversation with somebody and breaking down those barriers. See, I almost feel like it's more the responsibility of the company to pull out or extract the information about who that candidate really is as opposed to you putting on your sales shoe and trying to sell them on why you're good for the job. Right. Flip the script a little bit. Right. All right. Hey, so we, we're, I'm, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Chris Steely, Managing Director of GPS Business Group. We're discussing unconscious bias. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how to effectively eliminate unconscious bias from the interviewing process and a little bit more. Be right back. <laughs> You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. Welcome back to the Higher Power Ready Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and today our guest is the illustrious Chris Steely, Managing Director of GPS Business Group. So we just discussed unconscious bias, a little bit about what it is and how to identify it. Now we're going to talk a little bit about how to use it in a positive manner to build a diverse workforce. So let's talk a little bit, little bit about how we might eliminate it from the interview process. Of course, I'm getting a phone call. Of course. <laughs> so it's, I mean, from my perspective, it's about changing the unconscious to conscious. Sure. And, and that's one of the problems we have just generally in our society is people are going around in you know, day-to-day life not conscious. They're not conscientious. There's not, they're not aware of other people's conditions. You know, it's about, you know, it's, it's that ego, you know, we all have ego, yeah. right? And some of the time we, we let that ego dominate us, you know? So understanding that and being aware of, you know, hey, I, I want to look good, but how is that precluding my ability to be able to relate to other people? And, you know, back to authenticity, it's breaking down those barriers of the facades that we want to want other people to see. Yeah. Taking a couple deep breaths and just being yourself, you know, but understanding what that self is, is the key. See, this isn't even a conversation that you probably hear in most workplaces, though, about, okay, we have unconscious bias. Maybe we should have a conversation about this, an organizational conversation about, okay, maybe bring up, hey, we've got, you know, can you have a talk about, hey, this is, you know, what are your biases and how do we kind of move past them? I mean, I would imagine that would be something that could only help propel a company, but I don't know about the company. Right. Well, people. First of all, people want to be listened to. Yeah. 
And and if 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 you've got a leader in a business that doesn't listen to their people, their people aren't going to talk. Yeah. And they're going to throw yeah. up facades and they're going to say things they want the leader to hear. Yep. So it's really important to. I mean, one of my again, we talk about authors and books and the secrets to success of business is hidden in books, right? Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni wrote a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I teach a lot from that construct. And it's about the foundation of trust. How can you be trusting and trustworthy in the context of being a human resource in business? Well, it's, it's about have somebody, having somebody that, that, that is able to be trusted and having a leader that can trust that human resource. But that's a tough thing in our society. Yeah. You know, with hidden agendas and ego and politics and everything we talked about. Yeah. Then the next level up in the, in the, in the triangle for the folks that have read Lencioni's book is, is conflict and being able to promote conflict. And a lot of people get their ego damaged when there's conflict. But being open and receptive toward being challenged. And if you're authentic and you're real... There's no concern about that. There's no. Well, we're talking about conflict, mind. not from the perspective of like a heated conflict, but more argumentative. Yeah, like you just yeah. did with me right there. Yeah. You confronted a, a, a yeah. something, and, I, and and if I'm authentic, I mean, if I've got a, if I'm here not being present, and you confront me with something, I'm going to go ahead and respond the way I think you want me to respond, so that I can manipulate you to believe what I think you want me to say or what what, what you want to believe. That's just a lot more work. Well, there you go. Right? Why can't we just show up as good authentic? <laughs> so back to hiring. Yeah. When it comes to is your is your is your the hiring person being able to create an implication of trust in the hiring discussion, and a lot of that. I mean, how can you do that? A lot of it comes through using tonality and voice and inflection and pace. And right now, you can hear me talking in a warmer tone. Well, even having an interest in understanding your people. And how do you, how do you foster that? It's got to come from the top down, of course. Right, and and being yeah. the example of that interest. And you're yeah. right. If 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 the if the leader on top of the the food chain has got a political agenda, there's consistently going to be a facade of, I call it inappropriate behavior. Yeah. As opposed to authentic, you know, drawing out that that the capabilities that those human resources have in our hearts and our minds and our, you know, in our in our capabilities and skills. And introducing that to our prospective employer. Otherwise, you're one of the biggest problems. You know, when you hire somebody, it's a huge liability. Once yeah. you hire them, and you then you have to let them go. I mean, it's. I, I read recently, it's literally a quarter of a million dollars if you hire a director level person, then you let them go after you've trained them and equipped them. I mean, it oh, was yeah. a crazy number. Oh yeah. So how do we preclude that? Well, it's about breaking through those barriers of of inauthenticity and actually asking people the right questions and showing up in the right way so, so they can be so you can draw out their their trust and whether or not they sh- they they show up in a trustworthy way and can they be trusted yeah. as a director VP CEO to be able to manage my business as effectively as they can and you can do that there's techniques to be able to do that I mean yeah. part of it is notice again I talk about the, the way we we you know language by the way the way we communicate is the words I use is only seven percent of how I communicate. No, a it's big most of it's aspect. nonverbal. Yeah, yeah, it's like tone, voice, yeah. inflection, bass. So, which leads to messaging, right? I mean, the way in which you message to the people that you're trying to attract too. I would imagine job descriptions probably are a, a big reason why some people don't respond to companies as well. Maybe some of the wording in those job descriptions may be a little bit more gender specific than 
and, and make preclude other people that you're trying to get, especially if you're trying to build diversity. And, and I, when I say diversity, I mean diversity in thinking, you know, across everything, right? Wouldn't some words be more geared toward a male as opposed to a female? And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just being conscious of how you're putting that into the job description and just yeah. making it gender agnostic, yeah. especially these days. I mean, I'm, I'm a... I'm a big fan of women in the workforce. I mean, yeah. you know, you and I are just a couple guys here. You know, we're inherently our brains are wired to be convergent thinkers, and yep. we get things done. You know, that's how men work. Oh, yeah. Women, it's been proven they're divergent thinking. We need that strategic capability in business leadership. Oh yeah. And if we're if we're stopping short of that and not seeing that capability in prospective women that we hire, all we're doing is just damaging the potential of our business. You yeah. Know? This kind of makes me think, okay, what kind of words would be specific to attracting a male? Probably more dominant words like, you know, we're in an aggressive environment, challenging. I mean, that would probably be more attractive to males than collaborative and some of these other words that might be a little bit more geared toward females, right? So I, I would imagine you'd probably want to mix up the messaging to include both. And at the same time, I know a lot of women that are aggressive and assertive. And yeah. they do. So again, it's not a, it's not yeah. an end all discussion around, you know, that as a man, I'm strictly a convergent thinker. I've yeah. conditioned myself in life to be a divergent thinker, but it's our prerogative as hiring managers to be able to draw that out of people and see that. Yeah. And do people come in with a facade and they have defenses, or can you break through those veils of the facades and actually get to know the heart of the person that you're interviewing. Yeah. And as you say, whether it be the, the gender language or even racial language or, and full circle back to unconscious bias, it's awareness, it's self-awareness. It's, I call it enlightenment. Yeah. It's being able to see things you weren't seeing before. Like we all live in a context of obliviousness. We're all, we all don't know what we don't know, right? Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Right. So yeah. our prerogative is to turn the light on and, you know, back to whether it be zero to two years old or, you know, what were the tenets of, of culture that my business was founded upon and make sure that those are part of what you're talking about every day. Now, you mentioned divergent and convergent. What's a what's the difference between that? So, Give me an example. Of so divergent is is when you're, you're it's, I call it strategic level thinking. It's you're yeah. oriented toward the possibilities. You're creating a strategic plan around, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm serving the marketplace as a whole. Okay. You know, and of course, being able to niche that down, but it's that awareness, that holistic awareness. Convergent thinking is about getting the job done. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was in the Marine Corps. I was a Marine Corps logistics officer. Got and it. for me, it was all about planting the flag on the high ground. Yeah. And that is, has a lot to do with convergent thinking, accomplishing the mission but the 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 battle doesn't get won the business doesn't become profitable unless you have that high level perspective and that strategic plan first got it but then it's effective deployment which is convergent thinking converging upon an objective got it It, is it possible to have both somebody who's got a good combination of both i mean well, that's that's what I do. I would is, imagine. Is, is I help. Ba- you do. Yeah, that's why I, 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 I probably don't. Well, I train people to do it. Yeah, got it. You know, it's about confronting that and then conditioning and being aware of what you are. Are you primarily divergent, convergent? I think it's a good, I'm a big fan of the balance of that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you know, these days when it comes to balance, you know, it's about the yin and the yang, you know, the dark and the light. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people are... I'm a Star are, Wars fan. I'm, well, I, there you I, go. I the, the Force, right? Absolutely. You know, it's about realizing the darkness, the shadow, is, is a big component of who we are. Mm-hmm. We get to be aware of that. Not necessarily embrace it and be it, but be aware of it. Yeah. And too many people shy away from it because it's a tough place to go. It's not necessarily comfortable. Yeah. But as human beings, right, we all want more pleasure. We want less pain. And you have to factor that into the conversation as well. So looping it back around to the interview process... Um, just kind of thinking this through too. You mentioned LinkedIn profiles or view resumes. 
you know, I, there's a lot of probably unconscious bias that goes in just scanning a resume. So how do we get past that? I mean, because, you know, just the name alone could essentially have somebody make a decision whether or not they want to call somebody. I think there was a study that I read quite a few years ago where they took the same resume and they just put two different names on it. And the one that had like the basic John Smith name on it got twice as many callbacks as the one with the, the other name. That's unconscious bias, right? Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, so I think part of it too is that as we, as we create those ads, right? Which, yeah. And that's what a resume is, is basically an ad. Again, it can be in the form of a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Just be aware of the rhetoric that's in those, those, those lines and those words yeah. and the hyperbole. I mean, how inflated are people making themselves? Are they the end all in the context of their, of their resume or their bio? And if they use a lot of fluffy words, and you just get to see through that. So in the context of awareness of somebody trying to paint a picture of somebody they're not, watch out for the, the, for the, the, the big words, the, the, the rhetoric. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, people will say things they think you want to hear. And you get to read through that. You know, just from the context of, of being a recruiter, and some of, the, some of the people that I thought, I looked at a resume and I thought, yeah, I don't know if I really want to call this person. I don't know if it would be worth my time. Actually, have turned out to be really good people that I probably had some sort of unconscious bias in my head that I didn't want to call them for whatever reason, right? Mm. So maybe to get past that, you should call everybody. Well, there you go. And find out. That, I'm, I, I like that idea. You know? You know but the problem is you also, that's not necessarily practical because yeah, you've got time. thousands of people that are applying. And so there has to be some sort of a, uh, a filter you're running people through. That's so, true. You know, I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm, but I love, to, I, I love to meet as many people as possible and yeah. look at them in the eyes and really get to know them. That yeah. makes a big difference. Exactly. So just to mention, or just to kind of recircle to the, the, the link between bias and kind of company values, right? Now, you have to have some sort of bias in, in response to how people link up with your company values, right? Right. So, so values, you know, core values. I mean, there's some cliche core values. A lot of people say, sure. oh, integrity is a core value, you know, but that's just kind of cliche. No, but like, for example, I, I mentioned on the show quite a bit, like Amazon has their leadership principles and the very first one is customer obsession. So they test you against that. Mm -hmm. So if you're not obsessed with, you know, the customers that you have and how you service them and what you do, then, you know, you're kind of, you're not... Amazonian enough, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, and even like Zappos, you know, yeah. that's become ubiquitous as the company that, you know, two months after you're employed, they'll pay you to leave the company. Oh yeah. If you don't fit the culture. Yeah. And that's how you really determine because people can talk all day long, but what happens when you put them in the fight, put them in the arena? That's where true character shows up, or not. Anything else in the interview process that you think that would be helpful for our listeners? I think that being present is, is like I say, run, run it through the filter of the resume and, you know, kind of look through those words. And then when you get somebody in front of you, just, you know, care. You yeah. Know? You know, want, realize that this is a human resource that has got challenges. We got, we're all up against things. And be somebody who actually cares and draws out the true strengths of people. Yes. As opposed to gives them an environment where they can spout that rhetoric and hyperbole and just be somebody that they're not. A so. man after my own heart, I'll tell oh, you, because I spout that stuff off all the way along. I mean, the fact of the matter is your job as an interviewer is to get the truth of who this person is in front of you. 
get past all the smoke and mirrors and find out whether or not they're really going to be a great added addition to your team. Right. right. Yeah. Wow, we're, you know, this flew by. Right, uh, we're just it. about out of time for today's show. Chris, thanks for your time investment today, and, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, I'm sure that some of our listeners are going to want to find out more about you. How do they reach you? Well, my website, gpsbusinessgroup.com, mm-hmm. is, is where to go, and then uh, that's the best way to go, and there's a contact form, and my phone number's all over the, the site. So. Absolutely. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into today's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. To listen to this show and any past episodes, you can check us out on Hire. That's H-I-R-E. It's not a religious show. Powerradio.com or Hire Power Radio on iTunes. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, at, at Higher Power Radio, and you can follow me on Instagram at Rick Gerard One. So we have another great show lined up for you guys next week. Our guest will be Ville Hontu, the CEO of Vincent. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.